This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if you may be watching for the very first time. We want to thank you for tuning in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. We have those who watch every time we're on the air. We want to thank you as well. Now today we're going to be discussing this topic, nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize the course is free. We'd like for you to learn more about the course and how to receive it. So why don't we pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read today from the book of Hebrews, going to be reading out of the ninth chapter of Hebrews, beginning with the twelfth verse. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the New, Test of the New Covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Blood atonement is a cardinal doctrine of the Bible. And the reason this is such an important teaching of the Bible is that without the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, there can be no redemption for the human race. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. You see, nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ procures man's access to God. Man is separated from God, and that's not because of God's, on God's part. It's man that is responsible for the separation. 
You see, man has rebelled against God and man has sinned against God and man is separated from God. And is there any way that an individual can now be at peace with God and be at one with God and procure access to God? Over in the book of Ephesians, the second chapter of Ephesians, and in verse 11 beginning, Paul wrote, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that, that at that time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise and having no hope and without God in the world. Now listen to verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the amnity, that is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Now listen to verse 16 carefully. That he might reconcile them both, that is Jew and Gentile, to God. Reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Now, and verse 17 says, And he, that is Jesus, came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Now verse 18 is the significant passage. For through him, that's through Jesus, we both, that's Jew and Gentile, all mankind, have access by one spirit to the Father. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ can give an individual access to God Almighty. You know, in the Old Testament, in the, when the children of Israel had left the land of Egypt and they were wandering in the wilderness, God gave them instructions for the building of the tabernacle. He told them to make it according to the pattern that he had shown to Moses while Moses was up on the mountain. There were two sections of the tabernacle. There was the holy place and there was the most holy place. And on the day of atonement, the high priest would enter into the most holy place and he would offer the blood of an animal for the, his sins, for the sins of his family and for the sins of all the people. And he would put that blood on the mercy seat. And the mercy seat was a symbol of the presence of God. And thus they had access to the mercy seat because of atoning blood. But of course we know in reading the New Testament in Hebrews the 10th chapter and verse 4 that it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Men's sins cannot be forgiven by the offering of animal blood. 
while the next year the high priest would have to enter into the most holy place again and do it all over again. Because in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 3 we learn that there was every year made a remembrance of the sins of the people. And, but listen to verse 3. In those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. But Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. And when he did, the veil was rent in the temple from the top to the bottom, signifying that the way into the most holy place, that is into heaven itself, had been opened for all man mankind. Listen to, uh, to the writer of the Hebrew letter in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse number 18. Now where there is remission of, th of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, Jesus died and offered himself as a sacrifice once for all. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter and verse 28, the Bible says, so Christ was once offered, once offered, not like the high priest going into the most holy place on the day of atonement every year and having to offer a sacrifice over and over and over. Jesus did it once for all time. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary and he now gives us access to God. We can have, therefore, confidence when we pray to God. Someone says, you know, Brother Lambert, I just don't believe that when I pray that, that, I, that God is going to listen to me. I feel so unworthy in approaching God. I want you to take your Bible, if you will, and turn back to the fourth chapter of Hebrews. And I want to read verse 14 through verse 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus. He is our high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus Christ, our high priest, died on the cross. He rent the veil in the temple and the way into heaven is now open for all mankind. Now verse 15. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore this tells us what we can do because we have that high priest. This tells us what we can do because we have a high priest who can sympathize with us, who was tempted in all points like we are, and even though he did not sin, he sympathizes with us. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm going to tell you, that nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ makes that possible. Nothing but the blood can procure access to God. Furthermore, nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can protect us 
from sin's power. In Zechariah, the 13th chapter and verse 1, here's a prophecy about Jesus' blood. In that day, there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. There's a beautiful song that has in it this line, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And indeed there is a fountain open at Calvary flowing from the body of the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ is the one who died and shed his blood and nothing but that blood can protect us from the power of sin. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28, Jesus there said, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sin. Jesus shed his blood to remit our sins, that we might rid ourselves of our sins. Sin is a terrible monster. The Bible describes sin in 1 John 3 and verse 4 as being the transgression of law. When we break law, God's law, we sin. In James 4, 17, sin is described as being a failure to carry out God's law. To know to do good and to fail to do it, the Bible says is, is sin, it's wrong. And sin is a terrible monster. Sin is powerful. Let me tell you how powerful sin is. Sin is powerful enough to enslave an individual, to, come, to make you nothing more than just a slave to sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that in Romans the 6th chapter. And in verse 16, and in Romans, the sixth chapter, Paul is talking about our reconciliation by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse, verses 1 through 4, he talks about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. That is, we die to sin, we're buried with Christ in baptism, and we're rise to walk in newness of life. Just as Jesus died, just as Jesus was buried, and just as Jesus was raised from the dead. But why do we need to do that? Because of the power of sin. Verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you're that one's slaves whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness, I submit to you that you're a slave to someone. You're a slave to something. And you are either a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ serving the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're a slave to sin, slave to sin. And you think about the myriads of people today who are enslaved to sin. That's the power of sin. Sin also separates an individual from God. In Isaiah, the 59th chapter of Isaiah said, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. And then in verse 2, he said, It's your sins that have separated you from your God. Your iniquities have hid his faith from you. 
that he will not hear. You see, sin is a great separator. Why, sin separates nations. It separates families. It separates churches. It separates people from God. Sin also scars an individual. That's the power of sin. In Psalms 51 and 3, David said, My sin is ever before me. I'm convinced God had forgiven him of his sins. But it was something that he could not forget. You see, sin has a way of scarring us, marring us for the rest of our lives. We'll never be the same. God may forgive us, but there will be the memory of what we have done. Sin is so powerful that it will actually pollute your soul. In Psalms, the 51st chapter and verse 10, the psalmist there said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. He felt so unworthy. He felt polluted in the sight of God. Now that's a form of pollution the environmentalists are not much concerned about. I'm concerned about keeping our environment safe I'm in, I'm in clean, but I'm more concerned about people's polluted souls. Sin pollutes the soul, and sin also can deceive you. Oh, we need to beware lest we be deceived by sin. It is such a deceptive monster. It promises you things that it cannot deliver. And there's nothing, my, my friend, but the blood of Jesus Christ that can protect you from the power of sin. You know, there are different expressions that are found in the New Testament that all mean the exact same thing. For example, you take the expression saved, shall be saved, found in Mark 16 and verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You take another expression found in Acts chapter 2 in verse 38. For remission of sins. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So there's another expression. Here's another one and that's forgiveness. Ephesians 1, 7 in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. Here's another expression, blotted out. In Acts 3 and verse 19, Peter said, Repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Here's another expression, wash away sin. In Acts 22 and 16, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Here's another and that is to remember sin no more. Hebrews 8 and 12. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Here is yet another, and that is to cover sin. In Psalms, the 32nd chapter in verse 1, blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now think about those different expressions. To be saved, to have remission of one's sins, to obtain forgiveness of sin,
to have one's sins blotted out, to have one's sins washed away, to have one's sins covered, and to have one's sins remembered no more, all mean the same thing. And the, that which makes all of that possible is nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. Unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But might I ask yet another question? When does that blood wash away my sins? And we obtain the answer to that in Acts the 22nd chapter and verse 16. And now why tarriest thou? Which means what are you waiting on? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord. I want you to observe in that passage that one's sins are not washed away before they are baptized, but when they are baptized. You see, in baptism, we come in contact with the precious blood of Jesus Christ by faith, and it is His blood that washes our sins away. It is His blood that saves us. It is His blood that gives us remission of our sins. And I submit to you that nothing but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. But nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ could make the church a reality. I want to call your attention to a passage in the 20th chapter of Acts and the, the setting of the passage is Paul's address to the, church, the elders of the church in Ephesus. If you notice in the 17th verse, he had called them to come and to meet with him. They came and Paul is addressing these elders. And verse 28 is a part of that farewell address. He says, take heed unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which hath purchased with his own blood. The church is purchased with blood. Oh, the church was, in, was eternally purposed by God. The, the church was prophetically foretold. The, the church was boldly promised. Jesus said, I will build my church. But the church was firmly established on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And it was on that day the Apostle Peter preached the first recorded gospel sermon under the Worldwide Commission. What was his subject? He preached about Jesus, about his life, about his death, about his resurrection from the dead. And he said to those people present on that occasion, that he is both Lord and Christ. And when those people heard that, they asked, what shall we do? And Peter's inspired answer was, repent 
and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been baptized for the remission of your sins? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I was baptized when I was a baby. In order for one to be a candidate for baptism, they must be old enough to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, obey the gospel. Have you ever been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? The church then becomes your family. Because Acts 2.47 tells us that when people are saved, God adds them to the church. Nothing but the blood can give you power for daily living. And we all need it. Well, how am I going to live my life every day? I need to live my life with the blood of Jesus Christ in mind. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7 is written to those who are already saved. It's written to tell them how they can stay in a saved state under the blood of Jesus. Listen, if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Nothing but the blood can give you that kind of assurance that as you walk in the light day in and day out, serving God faithfully, that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, continually, constantly cleanses you of your sin. Nothing but the blood. Have you ever been saved? You say, I hope so. No, no, we need to know. We need to be sure. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If we can assist you in any way, let us know. Now in the closing moments, I would like to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You will find people who will help you and assist you in doing what is right. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. <laughs>